This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Lee Chambers, welcome to the podcast. Absolute pleasure to be with you today, Mark. I'm glad you're here too, and I love your accent. I, I, I dig accents because apparently I don't have one. I mean, to you, I have an accent, but I'm really fascinated with people who have accents because I can't adapt the cool accent. So before we get started, who in the world is Lee Chambers? So I'm Lee Chambers, environmental psychologist, well-being consultant, and I'm based in the north of England, if you can't tell by the accent already. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've had a diverse career. Uh, and I, I've worked in elite sports, I've worked in local government, I've worked in corporate finance, and now I help organizations with well-being strategy, well-being delivery, and really getting those KPIs raised while making employees happier and healthier. And who wouldn't want that? You know, I got to I got to say this, you know, we're here at the end of 2020, December 30th, uh, 2020, about ready to go into 2021. And I love the technology. I mean, I'm still a, a kid. I'm 55 years young. OK, I'm still a kid with this technology. I mean, you're over there and we're having this conversation. It's incredible because if we didn't have this technology, we probably would have never met and be having this conversation. So I am still like a kid in the candy store or a kid on Christmas morning. I actually love this. Yeah, I've got serious gratitude for what technology has allowed us to do, especially in this year that we've been through. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about this year we've been through because, um, you know, it started out happy new year. 2020 hey the new year's here celebration nobody had any clue that this pandemic was on the horizon actually it was already starting over in china but we just thought hey you know we're here we're gonna have a great year i can't wait to see what 2020 in stores boy what did it unwrap for us as we hit uh february march and we're like uh covid coronavirus what are you talking about and all of a sudden it just started taking over the globe and what i saw from a lot of people and i want your thoughts on this is you know when they started closing down the countries and, and businesses and stuff like that there were two groups of people one group of per people said listen i'm gonna wait this thing out so i'm just gonna like I don't have a job, so I'm just going to, you know, watch TV. I'm going to, you know, eat a lot of potato chips and ice cream, and I'm just going to like, I'm going to see what happens. Then there's another group of people that said, look it, I don't know what's going to happen in 2020, but I'm going to do all I can to improve myself physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, because when this thing ends, and I think you agree with me, Lee, this is eventually going to end. It's not going to wipe out the human race. The people who opted to work on themselves, work on their well-beings, are going to be light years ahead of the people who just waited out. What do you think of that? Yeah, so what I think is that from a human perspective, people have either fallen into one of two camps. They've either seen this pandemic, the, the difficulties it brings, the turbulence in our lives as a challenge to grow into. The status quo has been shaken up. That's an opportunity for me to go out there, to differentiate, to pivot, to learn new things, to be able to say, right, so if I can't do this, what can I do? And you'll see those people, they've really come out of this year saying, you know what, it's been difficult for all of us. But actually, if I look at it objectively, I've managed to achieve this. I've learned this technology. I've been able to do things differently and still find a way to make things work. On the other side, you've got people who saw it as a threat. And immediately they went back into the shells. They were avoiding everything that they could. They wanted to be comfortable. And 
comfort is the antithesis of growth. If you want to grow, you can't be comfortable. And really, they've kind of gone back into the comfort zones and found those familiar nostalgic things which make them feel safe. And we all need a little bit of that. But you've got to find that balance, that harmony between ensuring that you're moving forward, even when the world is throwing obstacles in your way. You don't just give up, you know, when all of a sudden that ladder's missing a rung. You just find a way to scale two. And it's finding those ways and being able to see that actually, in the bigger scheme of things, the, the more challenging the world is, the more people step back into comfort and the more space there is for you to step into growth. Steve Harvey, uh, the host of Family Feud and the host of other shows, says you have to be, you have to get uncomfortable. No, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in order to be successful. So, listener, if you missed that, let me say it again. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable if you ever want to be successful. Do you agree with that? Yeah, so I think that your version of success is something that you shape yourself and chisel over time. But from from that perspective of you making progress, success is never staying still. Right. You can't stay still and feel successful because we want to have some kind of momentum. We want to feel like we're moving forward. We want to feel that actually as we go through life and our time passes away, that we're actually investing that time and becoming more resourceful, more purposeful. And it's not always the case of your success is going to be all this materialistic stuff. For some people it is. For some people it's not. But if you want to truly feel and be on your deathbed with no regrets, You'll have a hell of a lot of regrets if you haven't been uncomfortable a lot of times in your life. And suddenly that deathbed becomes the most uncomfortable thing you're lying in. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the challenges people have is they keep everything in their head. I'm a big fan of the bullet journal, but whether you use a bullet journal or you use an app or whatever the case may be, you got to get the things out of your head. Because when you keep everything in your head, we start rationalizing, we start telling ourselves stories and like, oh, I'm not that bad. I'm not that lazy. I'm not wasting that much time. But if you wrote it down and say, okay, today I did nothing. And then you go back and look at it because I think you shouldn't live in the past, but you should learn from the past and go, oh my gosh, I've wasted the whole month. And so I really think people need to hear my words and hear your words, and start writing these things down, journaling every day what really happens, not the stories you tell yourself, but what really happens, because I think people need to get in touch with the reality and not the stories in their mind. Yeah, because if I, if I ask you, Mark, what did you, have for, what did you have for your dinner on Tuesday two weeks ago? Well, I can tell you that because I actually track my food through an <laughs> app. So, so it, goes, it goes to show my point, though. Yeah, exactly. And that journaling actually means that you remember what you're doing, you remember what you've done, but also that gives you a great foundation to start to think how you can exceed what you've already achieved. And you start to reflect on the past as a tool to develop rather than ruminating on the past, playing those same mental movies over and over again of how bad you are, how you've failed at this, how you're miserable at that, how you've not done and not achieved what you want to. And by flipping that focus and actually using the past as a tool for the future, we can actually gain an awful lot out of that. But if you start journaling, you become incredibly self-aware. You start to see more things that you're looking for because you're focusing on it every morning or evening, writing things down that you're either grateful for, that you've achieved, things that you could have done better. 
things that actually went well. It helps you celebrate those smaller wins that you so often forget on that longer journey. And it stops you from being so outcome focused all the time. You actually start to be able to see how to, you know, change course ever so slightly when things aren't going the way you expected them to go much more easily because you start to see those patterns because you're documenting them. And more than anything, as soon as you start to put that pen on that paper, it's a practice for the action of actually doing things. It's an intention. If you write down, I am doing something, oh boy, that makes a massive difference psychologically because you're framing yourself ready to go and do things. And doing things in action is what we need so much more of. Hey there, it's Mark, and I will coach you for less than $2 a day, plus give you access to a group coaching call every single month. For more information, visit MrProductivity.com. Yes, and I, I want to really highlight what you talked about wins. A lot of people celebrate the big wins, the big clients, they release their book, whatever the case may be. But the thing is, the reality is you have more small wins than big wins. And so I'm a big fan, as I can tell you are as well, to celebrate all the victories. So if your goal was to, like my goal for the new year, is I really want to virtually eliminate added sugar from my diet, okay? So I had one day, oh my goodness, uh, Lee, I think it was December 17th. I had 210 grams of added sugar because I have, I use an app called Chronometer and I got this graph and it spikes. I'm like, I told my wife, I said, that's it. I said, sugar from an apple, that's okay. Sugar from a candy bar, totally different. And so my goal is to get that as low as possible. Now there's always added sugar in most foods, but if I can go from 210, I think I was averaging around 60 grams a day, but if I can get that down to five or 10 grams, I count that as a win. If I, if I weigh like 205 one day and a week later I weigh 202, it's three pounds, but it's a win. So I think we need to focus on small wins because they're much more frequent than large wins. Yeah, and it's the small wins that actually create that momentum. Yes. And we don't often see that. And when we don't see the momentum, what we actually do is we we fix our vision on that bigger, longer-term goal. But yeah. the truth is, really big goals that we set ourselves are challenging by very nature. We might not actually achieve them. And by actually looking at the small wins along that journey, instead of looking at that distant shore, you're actually looking at the sunsets either side as you keep going through life. And the truth is you're only ever going to chase one rabbit in your life at a time and catch it. And as I mean, you're a productivity ninja yourself. You know how many people are distracted in so many ways and wonder why I'm not catching anything here. Well, hell, you can't, you can only catch one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I tell people when you listen to a podcast, if you listen when you're out walking or running or riding your bike, that's one thing. But if you're trying to read an email while you're listening to this podcast, it ain't going to work. Now, I want to talk. It's been very interesting because in a couple of years, couple years, couple days, we're going to hit a new year. And I have a goal that I run a thousand miles every single year. Now, when I start out at January 1st, it's zero. And I let's say I run three miles. I run three miles. Oh my goodness. I have 997 miles to go. But you know what? In 2020, I achieved my goal by the end of November. So when you start a goal, yeah, it looks, it's big. It's way out there. But you know what? Just like an elephant, one bite at a time, one rung on the ladder, one step at a time. 
you got to have a big goal. And I'm going to ask you about big goals in just a second, but you got to have a big goal, but you got to take those um, early steps. Now, there's an author named Jim Collins, and he wrote a book called Built to Last back in the 90s, I think. And he talks about big, hairy, audacious goals. Now, these are goals that are, they can't, there's no way they, they should be able to be achievable this year, next year, in three years. They should really scare you. But I think BHAGs, as they're called, are important because you can't have small goals. You got to have small goals, but you got to have a one big, hairy, audacious goals. Do you agree with that? So, yeah, I actually do. What I feel is that we should have a big, hairy, audacious goal, but it shouldn't be necessarily a smart goal. So, yes. in, in my opinion, we try to apply the timely element to big, hairy, audacious goals, to wildly important goals. They should actually be timeless, so to speak. So there shouldn't be a, a specific time on them, but they should sit there decoupled from your calendar as something that drives you on, that clarity, that number one thing, you can then take that and break it down into much smaller pieces that can be timed. But what that what that big hurry goal actually does is it starts to bleed in a, like a possibility mindset. You start to see the small options, the small possibilities that can get you closer to that every single day. And by having that, it actually starts to magnetize you towards and you know what? It's almost like shooting for the sun and getting close to the moon. You might not actually get to the sun, you might get to Mercury. But hell, if you don't have something that's big and hurry, that's gradually pulling you towards it, that allows you to see the way to break through those obstacles, to climb those barriers, you just don't see it. And it's like being taken up in that helicopter and suddenly you'll see that there's there's actually infinite pathways to get to where you want to go. Yes, And there's a lot of terrain to cross there's a hell of a lot of different things. But actually, if you spend all your life just there in the street with no big vision, with no big hurry goal, all you can see is the street in front of you. And when that gets blocked, you're like, oh, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to stay yes. here. <laughs> you know, it's a good point. One of the analogies I always use and I used to use when I spoke is let's say you want to summit Mount Everest. Now, that's a big, hairy, audacious goal. But one of the things you have to think about that goal is you can only go a certain time of year. There's like a two or three week window out of 52 weeks. So you just like to your point of being time bound. Well, it sort of is. If you're going to go, I think it's like in like three weeks in May. That's it. You can't go the rest of the year. But OK, so you got to do a lot of training. Costs a lot of money. You got to apply for a license. So December this 30th, 2020, you may not be able to summit because if you're not in shape, Unless you're a mountaineer, you may have to wait to 2022. And the whole point of the big Harry Audacious goals is I believe they should scare you. You go, oh my gosh, is that my goal? Really? Now, I guess you could say writing a book is a big Harry Audacious goal, but maybe not. But I, because you can write a book within a year. I think a big Harry Audacious goal should really scare you. It should inspire you. It should motivate you. And then what you said break down the BHAG into small steps. Okay, I can't climb Mount Everest today, but what can I do today? Because Tony Robbins says, when you make a decision, when you make a goal, you need to do one thing, one action, doesn't matter how small it is, right away, that fortifies that decision, that goal. Yeah, and I, I fully agree with that. And it does have to put you in a place where you feel uncomfortable looking at it. 
Because if, if you feel comfortable, if you feel like you're going to achieve it, then it's not a goal anymore. Because it, it's it's a it's a statement. It, it's it doesn't hold an intention. If you honestly believe you're going to make it, if it's wholly impossible, it, if it's a complete zero percent, and truth in this world, nothing's impossible. I mean, look what's happened this past year. If I'd have told you in January what was going to happen in 2020, you'd have been like, mm, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what time machine have you stepped in? You yeah. crazy fool. Um, but. Yeah, it, it needs to it needs to have an element of possibility, but it needs to be so weighted towards the impossible that it feels like you can't just go out and do it. You almost need to become a bigger person to get there. And that's really what that scary goal does. It turns you from like your size three person that you are now into a size nine person who feels they can start to scale that size 50 goal because it doesn't feel as big. One of the benefits of being a subscriber to my email newsletter is you get access to free weekly training from me. To sign up for my email newsletter, just go to mrproductivity.com. Absolutely. Now, you're probably a fan of what you call football, right? Yeah, soccer. Okay. Yeah. So when, okay, you call it soccer. I, I want to be politically correct because you call it football. <laughs> I got to always say American football. But here's the thing. When they start the season, their goal is to win the championship, but they have to go through training camp. Then they have to play all the matches or all the games. They don't get the champion in the beginning. You have to earn it. And so they, they have this goal. And let's say, let's be honest, some teams, they shouldn't even have a goal of the champion because there's no way they're going to make it. But even if you're the best team in the league, you still have to go through the motions. You have to play every match. You have to play every game. You have to go every practice. There will be injuries. There will be like pandemics. There will be things you have to overcome. So the point is they don't focus on the ultimate goal. Their ultimate goal may be to win the championship. But they go, okay, what do we have to do today? Oh, today's a practice day. Okay, we have to study the other team. How do they How do they approach their plays? And they go step by step toward that goal. That's why like in American football, there's like I think 32 teams. Only two teams playing the Super Bowl, only one team wins it. So they all start with these grand illusions of winning the Super Bowl, but only one team wins it. And the teams that win it don't just necessarily have the best players. They have overcome a lot of the obstacles because every team has obstacles. Every team has injuries. Every team is dealing with COVID. But the teams that come out the end is the champion, and I believe rightly so. Yeah, and they go through that process where – Really, I tell a lot of my clients, when you're looking at productivity, ultimately, you need to almost look at what you do as a world-class training camp, yes. like an athlete, you know, because you're going to have to make some seriously bold steps and make some trade-offs and some sacrifices. But where can you elevate your standards? Because there are going to be areas of your life where you need to elevate that standard if you want to achieve at that elite level. And if we kind of look at how sport operates and how the best in sport have been able to develop, well, originally it was kind of like the principles of you either win or you learn. But actually the best now win, learn, and when they win, they still learn. So even when you're on the top of your game, you actually go back in there and look at how you've won and how we can improve that mm. and look at where can we still improve and that continual improvement attitude that can be taken from elite sport into business it can be taken from elite sport into your own life as an individual when you want to excel in any area of your life 
And that really is where elements of performance and productivity come in because you're looking to continually improve and that isn't comfortable. Yes, I love that. So you help people with well-being. I want to get real tactical here. So give us a couple tips that the listener and I, quite frankly, can work on or implement to help us to be healthier, wealthier beings. And what I want you to do is keep these as simple as possible. I'm a fan of simplicity because I know me and I know most human beings. If you add complexity in the mix and say, here's 37 things you can do, people are going to like, dude, I'm not going to start that. But if you give us something simple that we can go, hey, I can do that today. What are a couple things that we can do today that will help us on that journey? So first thing I'd say is, Get an extra hour of sleep and see how that works for you. Because that's a massive one. Sleep is the fundamental driver of health and performance. And we don't utilize it to recover and excel like we should do. Uh, The second one is to track what you're eating. But more importantly, track how it makes you feel afterwards. Because we tend to be able to track our food, you know, really well nowadays. We don't tend to track how that particular food makes us feel afterwards. And it's that it's that mental and physical feeling that really helps us dial in onto what's best for us nutritionally. Because all the information out there is standard. It's for someone else. You are a unique individual. Track it for you. Get a hook. Start to hear your body and listen. And fin- final quick tip, move. You need yes. to move your body. Find little opportunities to move a little bit more. You don't need to go out and run a marathon. Hell, most people in their lifetimes won't, but we are built to move. And if you can find ways to just get a few extra steps in, park a little bit further away, you know, walk around the block and just find just little ways. Again, make it easy, make it simple and add little rewards in there for getting a little bit more active. I love that. I've done a lot of research as a productivity nerd or ninja, as you called me, um, we, the neuroscientists say we should get seven to nine hours of sleep every night, every night, seven nights a week. Most people are getting six. So one hour extra from six to seven puts you in that sweet spot. Um, I never thought I do track my food, never thought about how I feel. And the app I use chronometer, uh, does have notes in there. So I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to start actually writing about how I feel and move. I, I wore an Apple watch and the primary point of the Apple watch is to close your rings. Now, if you're not familiar with this and you don't have an Apple watch to do this, by the way, is you have to move. You have to stand for one minute, at least 12 hours a day, and you have to exercise every day. Now, don't need Apple watch. You can move. And I don't mean like get up and go get a, a Coke from the refrigerator and come back. I mean, you get up and maybe walk around the block, take your dog for a walk. I'm sure the dog would like to go for a walk. Make sure you stand because we're all in these Zoom calls. We're all sitting our bodies was not designed to sit in front of a computer. If it was, God wouldn't give us legs. Okay. So get up and walk around at least one minute every hour. So I closed my rings, I think over 800 days in a row because it's important. My health is important. I'm 55 years young and I want to hit a hundred years old and still be able to walk and still be able to run. And that starts by taking care of myself now. So listener, I don't care what shape you're in. You can start doing a little more than you're doing now. Everybody can. So those are three really good tips. Now, before we wrap up the show, I do this really fun thing, and you said you're a game with it. It's called Mic Swap. So what we're going to do is we're going to let Lee Chambers be the temporary host of the Mark Stachowski podcast. You can ask me one or two questions. Don't ask me credit card numbers or social security numbers, but anything else doesn't have to be about productivity. Um, 
let your mind go crazy. Well, not too crazy, but uh, so you are the host of the show. What are a couple of questions you'd like to ask me? Because I'm sure the listener would love to hear them as well. Okay, Mark. So we're going to go into this first. What is your number one kryptonite distraction to your productivity? Well, the number one plan, uh, the, the, the tip I have is always tell your time where to go instead of wondering where it went. A lot of people, they plan in their head. Remember earlier in the show, we talked about keeping everything in our head. Don't keep that in your head. When you write it down, and yes, I did say write it down. Yes, I know we have iPhones and, and iPads and stuff like that. But when you write it on paper first, it becomes real. Okay, because now you're connecting your subconscious mind with your your pen and your eyeballs and it's really working. So you can put it on your iPhone later, but start on paper first. Make it real because people are not planning or if they do plan, they're planning the important things like doctor's appointments, podcasts, interviews, coaching clients. But what about all the other stuff? There's nothing there. You know what you're going to do? You're going to be on social media. So plan your days and you'll be much less stressed. And what's one thing that you find yourself doing when you're in floor? What one thing I do when I find myself in flow, I, I feel, well, I, my, my emotion is happiness. When I'm in flow, I'm happy. I mean, everything is just going. I'm excited. What I'm actually doing is I'm actually tapping into the resources of my subconscious mind because all the stuff we have is in our brains. Everything we have is in our brain. We just don't, tap into it. We just learn something. We read a book, uh, listen to a podcast, go to a webinar and all the stuff's in there. And we're just like, Oh, I wish I knew how to do this. Well, have you ever done anything with information? So one thing I'm doing is I love listening to uh, soft instrumental music. I love focus at will, or I have a playlist on my Apple music. That's got all the instrumental music from the, uh, the movies, soft instrumental music. Cause I can't have words cause it distracts me. But I'm, and then when I get in the flow, I'm really into it. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Um, one final one. What's oh, gonna, biggest... He's going to squeeze the third one in. Okay. Yeah. What, what's, what's, what's your biggest distraction? What's the one thing that could potentially take you out of a productive place? You know, this is going to sound really weird. Excellent question, by the way. One of my biggest distractions is my mind because. I start doing something and I'm like, Ooh, I remind I should do this. And it's all for my business. It's all to serve my customers and my clients and my prospects. But what I got to do, I've got to say, I got an idea and I tell my, my listeners, my clients do this, have a notebook next to you. So when an idea pops in, Oh, you should do this, write it down. Oh, you do. Excellent. We're on, we're on audio, but he just showed up. Uh, he just held up a notebook, have a notebook next to you. So when the idea pops in your head, don't go do it. Write it down. Okay, I got to do X, Y, Z. Now keep staying where you are. Great question, Lee. Thank you for temporarily hosting the Mark Chuchowski podcast. The final question I have for you is where can we go to find out more about you and what you do? So the best places to go, Mark, are www.essentialize.co.uk or leechambers.org. And on those, you'll find my websites, my services, my social media handles, and my blogs. Now, he is from over there, over in England. So Essentialize is spelled with an S, not a Z. You know, that really fascinates me. Why did Americans, when we took the English language and came over to America, why did we decide that, oh, we don't want an S there. We want a Z. I, I don't, who, was there a committee? Did they sit down and talk about this? And I don't know. But uh, so Essentialize is spelled with an S. 
So, but it'll be in the show notes, but I just want to let people know that as well. So Lee, thank you so much for being uh, a guest on the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really love the, the conversation we had, the insights you provided. So thank you so much. Absolute pleasure, Matt. Hey, 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 don't leave this episode yet. I have a very important announcement for you. I want you to go to mrproductivity.com right now and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely for free. It's my gift to you. And while you're at mrproductivity.com, I want you to click on the tab that talks about my digital productivity coaching program. I call it DPC. This program is incredible and I'm super excited about it because one, via a dedicated app, you get daily, yes, daily coaching and accountability prompts from me and the ability to ask me questions, short questions in the app. You get a live group coaching call every single, well, month with me. Third, you get access to a DPC members only community online and it's not a Facebook group. And fourth, you get replays of all the group coaching calls and my Saturday morning trainings. Now my Saturday morning trainings are free, but there's no replay, but DPC members get access to the training, to the replays part of their membership. Now what's this cost you? You may think thousands of dollars. No, it's $49 a month. That's less than $2 a day. So check out the digital productivity coaching program and grab the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs at my website, mrproductivity.com.